Have you been thinking about wanting to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get the Evan Witt show off the ground, trying to find where to go, I had a lot of questions and trying to figure it out. And Anchor was the place to go. Easy to start, easy to use, and it's free. And you can get your podcast heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other great places that people like to listen. The answer, again, is Anchor. And I love using Anchor as it's extremely easy and simple and free to use. If you want to join me with Anchor on your podcast, then go to anchor.fm slash start and join me and the diverse community of all the podcasters that Anchor has to offer. I enjoy and cannot wait to start hearing your first podcast. That's anchor.fm slash start. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Evan Witt Podcast. I am Evan Witt, and want to thank you all for listening to the show. I appreciate it. And a uh, pretty big show here today, uh, talking some NCAA tournament. Going to talk some Milwaukee Brewer news really quick, uh, give my thoughts on the upcoming Brewer season. And then we're also going to have Kane Pittman joining the show. He's an Australian NBA writer who came to Milwaukee to cover the Bucks. Uh, he hosts the Euro Step and picked and roll AU and uh, going to have a fun conversation with him about his uh, experiences in Milwaukee so far, covering the Bucks, and also get his thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks, who are uh, going through some injury issues at the moment. But we shall see um, how the Bucks can bounce, uh, rebound, and bounce back from those injuries, and how far the Milwaukee Bucks can go, in his opinion, and. Um, what his plans are for once this Bucks season ends, hopefully following the Milwaukee Bucks NBA Finals appearance, hopefully a win. So quickly going to touch on the Milwaukee Brewers. So first, the Brewers are about to break camp. Uh, opening day is Thursday against the St. Louis Cardinals. Jelis Tashin uh, gets the opening day start, and that's always a concern uh, on who the opening day Brewers starter is as Last year, uh, Chase Anderson, I, I believe it was, had a little injury issue in the game before the year before that. Uh, Junior Guerra had a calf injury. We've seen uh, lots, a few guys get dinged up uh, starting uh, opening day. So we hope that Chasheen can get through with through opening day uh, um, without any injuries. That will be. A, a, a great thing. And the Milwaukee Brewers have named their starting rotation going into the 2019 championship season. And the other candidates are going to be Corbin Burns, who saw some action of the bullpen for the Brewers down the stretch and in the playoffs in 2018. Freddie Peralta, who uh, were uh, in and out of the starting rotation at times uh, when needed. Uh, we got Brandon Woodworth, who did some great things um, for the the Brewers during the playoffs and down the stretch. And then we got Zach Davies closing out the rotation. Um, it would be fun to watch seeing the three young guys go. Chase Anderson will be put in the bullpen. And I believe Freddie Peralta gets the second start of the year. And the Brewers are going young to start. And I'm kind of 
nervous at that at the same time. But when you have to take about you know think about Chase Anderson and, and that starting rotation, it's probably a good move. It's probably a good move that the the Brewers are going with the youngsters because Chase Anderson, we know what he can do, and they need his arm in the bullpen right now. With Jeremy Jeffers uh, starting the year on the injury injury list uh, with some shoulder weakness, but he's working on getting that strength up. You also have uh, Corey Knebel uh, having uh, elbow issues. He's getting his elbow checked out with uh, trying to figure out what the damage is in that UCL. Um, that UCL is commonly uh, known for the uh, when, when the guys need Tommy John surgery. Uh, the UCL is normally compromised. Um, if it's that point, we don't know. If it is to that point, we don't know. And then Jimmy Nelson, 29-year-old right-hander, starting the year in uh, AAA, getting his pitch count up. He has had a couple strong performances thus far uh, in spring training, work, working his way back from the the, the uh, shoulder injury that he sat up all last year with. So we'll see what kind of pitcher he can come back and beat. To me, he is the X factor for the Brewers. Um, if he can come back and play strong, then that would be great. You know, get him in the back end of the rotation, replace a guy like, like Zach Davies or one of the struggling uh, young bat pitchers if they struggle and go from there. The uh, lineup the Brewers have looked very dangerous. Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, Jesus Aguilar, Travis Shaw, Ryan Braun, Mike Moustakis, Yasami uh, Yasami. Randall and Orlando Arcia. Um, that is a pretty dangerous, pretty good uh, one through eight offensive rotation that you're dealing with. Um, you know, this Brewer team, can they improve from last year? I think they can. It's all going to end up how the the bullpen uh, shapes, shapes up. That's what it's all going to come down to, how, how the bullpen does. The bullpen is hurting right now with their two big arms out, but um, we'll see what happens. So the bullpen in bad shape right now, but they do have a lot of options they can throw in there. They got Jacob Barnes, they got Junior Guerra, Alex Cardio, Matt Elbers, Jake Tricka, uh, Taylor Williams, Adrian Hauser. So they don't have the the dominant guy that we know in Jeffers and uh, can able to start the year, but they definitely can do some damage, and we'll see. And I think this Brewer team, if they get healthy and stay healthy, especially if they make the addition of Craig Kimbrough, who is uh, Kimbrough, who's currently unsigned, if they do get him brought into the bullpen and get him up to strength quickly, the bullpen is definitely going to be a strength when Jeremy Jeffers comes back and if Craig uh, with if uh, Corey Knable can uh, play this year. And then who knows what Chase Anderson can do, uh, only having to worry about facing a few batters uh, coming out of the pen, not having to you know go three times through the order. He gets to only go through the order once or twice. So the Brewers, I put them around 91, 92 wins, uh, 96 wins last year. However, I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Part of that reason is the division is so much more competitive. You know, you got the Cubs who are still the Cubs. You got the the Cardinals who improved, getting Paul Goldschmidt for, uh, in that offense, and you know the Cardinals had a pretty good year last year, and they hope to build off of that. The Reds uh, got much much better in their 
bat in their uh, batting order, their bat their uh, starting positions, especially getting uh, Puig from the Dodgers. They should be improved. How much I don't know. And the Pirates surprised everybody last year with how competitive they stayed through the entire year, and they're another year older. And who knows what that's going to mean for the uh, for the Pittsburgh Pirates? Are they going to improve, or are they going to come down to earth a little bit because they overachieved? And that same thing can be said about the Brewers. Did the Brewers overachieve last year, and are they going to come down to earth a little bit once the uh, season gets started, or are guys going to come down to earth? I think if you look at who the biggest concerns are on guys who might come back down to earth. Uh, Jesus Aguilar comes to mind. Is he going to be able to repeat his numbers or um, do at least half of what he did? And then Eric Fabes in a contract year, how is he going to look? So the Brewers, like I said, I put them at right around 91, 92 wins. I think they, if everything goes right, they might be able to push 96 again. If things don't go right, they're probably going to be right around the 500 mark. But I put them at right around 91 or 92. So with that said, the Evan Witt Show is brought to you by Coach Evan Fitness. If you're looking to lose weight, get healthy, um, better yourself, um, then I'm here to help you, CoachEvan66 at gmail.com. I want to help you reach your health and fitness goals. All you got to do is shoot me an email, CoachEvan66 at gmail.com, and uh, we can get you set up and we can get you uh, losing pounds. You know, I'm looking for five people. We want to lose 5 to 15 pounds in the month of April. Uh, and if you're interested, let me know, and I'll get you set up with uh, Beachbody on Demand. Uh, help you sign up with that with me as your coach, and we'll get started. I've lost well over 100 pounds doing Beachbody programs, uh, things such as Insanity, uh, P90X3, uh, Transform 20. Uh, you know, those are just some of the programs that I did. And I want to help coach you through it. So CoachEvan66 at gmail.com. So jump into NCAA basketball really quick while I wait for Kane to join us. So the NCAA tournament going into the Sweet 16 and some very interesting, fun games to watch. Tennessee and Iowa, for example, great game. Uh, Iowa down big, came back, sent it to overtime. Uh, Tennessee gets the win. Duke UCF. Another great matchup, uh, you know, back-and-forth game, especially late. Duke gets the get, uh, win at the end. A um, couple of things, Wisconsin lose bowing out in the opening round to Oregon, the 12th seed. Marquette bowing out in the opening round to Murray State, another 12th seed. And the conversation, which program uh, uh, future is brighter? And I think, Marquette right now for the fact that they have uh, pretty much bringing this entire team back. Um, I think Marquette has the brighter 2019-2020 season. Wisconsin, I don't know. I I really don't know what we're going to get from the Badgers. Um, Ethan Happ gone, and the Badgers are likely going back to um, the, the the typical swing offense that they've been running for quite some time that they, they, they couldn't run with Ethan Happ um, because Ethan Happ can't shoot from more than five feet away from the hoop. So they get to go back to the uh, the, the typical swing. And uh, we'll see how much Reavers can develop. Uh, Reavers could be the next great Badger player um, if he can have that jump 
from sophomore to junior year like we, we, we've seen guys do in the past. Uh, Frank Kaminsky is a perfect example of that. Went from his sophomore to his junior year and just completely dominated. And I'm not saying Reavers is a uh, Kaminsky at all, but that's, they're going to need that jump for they're going to need that jump for the Badgers to compete to finish in the top four in the Big Ten. Otherwise, they can come, come from tumbling down to earth, and they might struggle to win um, games with what they got coming back potentially. So uh, Marquette, they got a lot of guys coming back. Marcus Howard might be coming back. Uh, you know, I just think Marquette's probably going to have the better 2019-2020 season, and I think both coaches. Wojciechowski and Greg Gard deserve to be have their seats heating up a little bit, if not on the hot seat, just uh, looking at the way the season ended. Um, Badgers looked pathetic at times. Uh, Marquette stumbled big time down the stretch after looking like they were going to compete for a Big East title. They came tumbling down to earth big time very quickly, and I think Wojciechowski, um, he uh, – his, his seat should be warming up a little bit with um, with how that season ended. So wait for Kane to join us. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the Brewers, get your thoughts on the Badgers Marquette. Uh, find me on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports. Uh, give me a follow and let me know what you think. And I'm going to uh, uh, our guest this year. And I uh, want to say thank you, Kane, for uh, joining join me uh, for this podcast episode. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I wanted to get you on for, you know, a couple things. First, obviously, talk Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are, you know, best record in the NBA, competing for that one seed uh, home court throughout the the playoffs. But I also, you know, I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and, you know, I think your, your tagline says best, Australian NBA writer in Milwaukee. So if you don't mind, and if you do, you know, you don't have to go into too much, you know, about it, but what brings you from Australia to Milwaukee to cover the Milwaukee Bucks? Well, uh, first of all, I, I have watched um, a lot of Bucks basketball. I've, I've, I've been a Bucks fan for a long time, since way back to the Ray Allen days. So uh, that that was obviously, um, you know, a draw card for me to, to want to cover the Bucks or want to cover the NBA in general, but... Um, I, I guess uh, for me at the time it was just uh, the timing was right in the fact that the, the Bucks did have two Australians on the team so uh, the website that I was writing for the pick and roll uh, helped me with my visa to get me over here with a, a foreign media uh, visa and it made sense that I could write for them on a daily basis and write about Thon and write about Daly and, and, and the Bucks and the way that uh, they were going with the two Australians so um yeah, I mean that was really the reason why I went. To, I chose to come to Milwaukee. I guess I could have come to, you know, gone to any city, uh, any basketball city in America. So that that was really the reason why I came to Milwaukee. It, it made sense, um, you know, from from a number of point of views. So that's that's basically the the short story of, of why I came to Milwaukee. So what are your thoughts on the city of Milwaukee so far? Before I jump into the Bucks. Um... You know, have you had a chance to to explore a little bit to see uh, see you know Milwaukee for what it has to offer? You know, what are your what are your thoughts on the city? Well, I like the city. I, I've I've actually I've been coming here pretty regularly since 2000 and uh, early 2015. So 
I um, so I, I knew the city pretty well uh, beforehand, which again I, I probably should have mentioned when I said that's another reason why I moved here because uh, I guess moving from another country it was nice to come to a place that I sort of knew my way around and felt uh, relatively comfortable in, even though it's obviously it's a bit different when you move here rather than being on a holiday. But uh, it's it's um, I, I like the city. I think it suits me. It's kind of similar to where I'm from in Australia. I live. Well, I lived in a, a town called Geelong, which is about 40 minutes from Melbourne, 40 minutes to an hour from Melbourne. So in, in many ways, with, uh, Chicago, you know, about an hour and a half away, it felt, felt, um, it felt pretty similar. Though you can, obviously, Milwaukee's a quieter city and you can get around and, and do what you need to do pretty easily. There's no uh, traffic or anything like that. So, I, I mean, I like the city. It suits me. Uh, I think I'll like it more in summer, but it, it's, uh, it's been good. Yeah, you know, I I live just south of Milwaukee. I live in uh, Racine. Um, lived in Wisconsin pretty much my my whole life, except for a couple of years when I was in Illinois for college. And you know, I've always loved Milwaukee. I love, especially love the downtown area right around Pfizer Forum. I was actually just there the other night uh, for the the Bucks and the, uh, the 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 Heat game. And you know, the Bucks, you know, they continue to impress, continue to play extremely well. Even through the injuries that they're having, uh, another one the other uh, yesterday, I want to say uh, Tony Snell at the ankle. You know the Bucks just seem to be finding, you know, the right chemistry, the right uh, formation, you know, the right uh, rotations, things like that. You know, what are your thoughts on the Bucks? Uh, you know, so so far this season, and if, how far do you realistically see them going uh, come playoff time? Yeah, well, they're uh, they're really rolling now at the moment. They're just looking forward to getting to the playoffs. So I think that's the big thing. Um, you mentioned Tony Snell, but yeah, that that's that's been the, the really the big story for the Bucks over the last week or two is that they're starting to get injuries and a lot of injuries, and it, it it's all seems to be happening at once, which is not something that they dealt with through uh, the first fifty to fifty-five games. But really, they got through uh, completely unscathed. The starting lineup pretty well played every game together up until around that 60, 60 game mark. So that's the big uh, story right now with the Bucks. They just need to stay healthy. Uh, they need to make sure that they don't have too many other guys going down because obviously Brogdon is, is going to be a big loss until what could be maybe the uh, late in the second round or the, or the conference finals if the Bucks are still alive. So, look, they're going to need some luck, and I think that's always the case with uh, if you want to contend for an NBA title. It's, you obviously have to have the players, which the Bucks do, but... You need some luck, and you can't have guys going down with injuries. So, uh, I think that the Bucks have still, at this point, um, clearly proven themselves that they are. They have been by far the best team in the NBA in the regular season. When you look at all the stats and that rating, the, the way that they've been able to beat teams. Yesterday, they beat Cleveland as their 42nd win uh, by double digits. So, look, they've really cruised through. They've been able to, for the most part, uh, keep minutes really low for guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton, who last year were were really tired. By the time they got to the playoffs, they were playing a lot more uh, and, and working a lot harder under Jason Kidd. So, I think the signs are good for the Bucks. I think that they uh, there's no reason why they they shouldn't uh, believe that they can contend for 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 a championship this year. And I, I think that that's what they believe. So uh, they're going to have to get over that first-round hurdle that they haven't been able to do for a long, long time. But, but they're legit. We're too far into the season now to think that this is anything but uh, really who they are. They've beaten every single team that's, that's been put in front of them by, by the Phoenix Suns. But 
Uh, so, look, they're, they're legit. They're, they've got a real chance this year, but they, they need a bit of luck with injuries. Yeah, and hopefully they, the eight games left, hopefully they can not have any other injuries left, uh, from here on out. Um, you know, we pretty much have a timeline for Brogdon, a timeline for uh, um but Snell's a new one. Um, any update on that timeline? I know it just happened yesterday, but if the Bucks given any updates on uh, that, or are you probably going to wait till likely tomorrow when they play Houston before the Bucks give an update? Yeah, we'll be at shoot around in the morning. So we'll. Uh, I mean, I'm expecting that he's not going to play tomorrow. He, he wasn't looking too good after the game. The ankle was really sore. So I, I, my my expectation is that he's going to miss a few games, but there's no or there hasn't been any timeline or there's been no indication. Uh, from the Bucks or, or anything like that, uh, it, it look it was a pretty significant ankle ankle uh, roll or ankle sprain, whatever you want to call it. So uh, I, yeah, again, I, I think he's probably going to miss some time, but hopefully with a bit of luck, it's uh, it's it's felt alright today, and it's going to be uh, on, on the on the smaller scale of of uh, time off. Yeah, hopefully it is on the smaller scale, but from someone that's dealt with ankle injuries in the past, they can be kind of tricky, and I don't know if Snell's had any ankle issues. Uh, th- throughout his career, um, if he has, then you know I think that'd be a good thing because if you never like rode or sprained an ankle before, you know it's gonna take even longer to come back from it because you don't really know how it's supposed to feel. Um, I know the first time I ever sprained my ankle, it took me a little while before I felt you know comfortable on it, and I don't play basketball, you know. So hopefully yeah. it's nothing too serious, and hopefully you can uh, bounce back quickly. But looking at the Eastern Conference right now, is the Bucks if the playoffs were to start today, the Bucks would play the Heat. But you also got the Magic, you got the Hornets, you got the Pistons, you got the Nets, kind of all right around uh, any of those teams could be in that eighth spot uh, potentially. Uh, who do you think the Bucks would rather see in that first round, or do you think it even really matters at this point? Yeah, I don't think it really matters at this point for them. I, I, don't, I definitely don't think any of those teams they're looking at and saying they would rather play one than the other. I think that they've, they've beaten them all. They're, they're, they're going to be comfortable in, in that matchup with any of those teams. I, I think probably just looking at the, the schedule and the way it's going to work out, I think they're going to end up in Florida somewhere. It's either going to be Miami or Orlando. So I think that's the way it's working out. There was some thought that, that Miami was a team that could give the Bucks trouble, but uh, you know, the, the, the Heat beat the Bucks earlier in the season when, when Milwaukee were coming off that really tough back-to-back. Didn't get into Miami until about 5 a.m. coming from Boston. And uh, and they played terrible. They played like a team that hadn't slept all night. So that was the only way Miami beat them. Other than that, the, the Bucks were beating the Heat by 38 points, and, uh, 15 points last week, and then 29 points uh, just on Friday. So, look, uh, I don't think that there's any concern there. The only really team that's given the Bucks genuine trouble every time they've met is Charlotte, uh, oddly enough. But I, I think that they're gonna, they would almost have to win out and hope for some results for them to sneak in, even though it is tight to come back from uh, two games back of the eighth seed with, with only around seven or eight games left is, is a big ask. So I think it's probably going to be Miami or Orlando. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any of those teams that the Bucks should go into that series feeling uh, anxious about, that's for sure. Yeah, so right now, if the playoffs were to start today, it would be Bucks Heat, it would be Raptors, Pistons, um, it would be 76ers, Nets, and then Pacers, Celtics. Um, you know, the Celtics seem to be on a downward slope. The Raptors, I can't really put my finger on them, but they've now lost two in a row. They're 5-5 five and five over the last 10. Heartbreaking loss yesterday. 
And the 76ers seem to be heating up right at the right time. Um, looking at the East, you know, if it's not the Bucks, Raptors, 76ers, Pacers, Celtics, who is that team from the East that has a legit shot at getting to that NBA Finals? Yeah, I still like the Raptors. I like the Raptors all season. I think that uh, they had one of the better benches in the league last season, and then really uh, you swapped to Rosen for, you know, a, a player that, um, yeah, hasn't played all games this year, but considering how much time he meant last year, they had Kawhi Leonard, who's an MVP caliber player. Um, and Danny Green's the other one that no one really thought about when when they added him. He's a guy that's been there before. Uh, he's won a title. He's hit big shots, good shooter, really good defender. So I like the Raptors. I, I think that they're built uh, for a playoff run. They're deep. Uh, picked up, uh, obviously, Marcus and, and also Jeremy Lin over the last month or so as well. So I really like the Raptors. I, I think they're a deep team. The only question mark people may have over that is the coaching for them, which is funny that, uh, you know, obviously uh, Dwayne Casey last year wins Coach of the Year, uh, and they move him on. So uh, I think Nick Nurse has, has had some growing pains, I guess, and, and adjusted to being a head coach, and that's um, probably drawn the frustration of Raptors fans at times. But uh, I still think overall, top to bottom, talent-wise, I, I like the Raptors as a team that the Bucks. If things stay the way they were, as you mentioned, I had a team that if the Bucks could win through would probably uh, run into the Raptors in the conference finals. And that, I mean, they've been the two top teams all season. So that uh, that's my expectation. That that's probably what we're going to see. But, uh, you know, I guess that both teams are going to have to get through some tough matchups even, even to get to that point. Yeah, I know you're not that close with Boston, um, being, you know, following the Bucks. But I know you've been to the Bucks uh, Celtics game. What are your thoughts on what's wrong with Boston? Like I said, they just seem to be something wrong. Like last year, they had great chemistry. The coaching was, uh, subta- you know, it was amazing. Um, they barely missed out on, you know, getting to the NBA Finals. And all this year, you get uh, Kyrie Irving back from his knee injury. You get Hayward back. And it just seems like nothing can go right for uh for Boston right now, like what are your what are your thoughts on just them not being able to really put it together? Well, I, first of all, I thought at the start of the season when you you do bring back uh, obviously Kyrie, who's uh, you know been a big game player his whole career, he's he's hit big shots, but he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands. And I knew that there was going to be some adjustment period for the Celtics, and I thought that you know for the first twenty games you really had to disregard. Uh, their record, because uh, for those reasons, I, I just thought that there was going to be some adjustment period there. Also, Gordon Hayward is, is not himself yet, and he hasn't been himself all season. He's had a couple of nice flashes in the last week or so, but coming back from that injury, he's just not at the confidence level that he was uh, prior to that injury. So, But the, the problem with that is that the, the Celtics still playing him uh, major minutes and playing him like he's a key rotation piece, which is what you have to do if you want to get him up to speed, but also... All that creates is, uh, you know, him having the ball in his hands more, which takes the ball out of the hands of the guys that carried this team to the conference finals last year. So when you have two young uh, potential stars in, uh, obviously, Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, uh, these guys proved themselves as as guys that can carry a team through play, through the playoffs last year, and now they have to take a back seat to these guys coming back who haven't really played that well. So... I, I thought that, you know, as well as this locker room seemed like they were together last year and as, as closely uh, as, as uh, Brad Stevens had them, uh, now it, it just seems or it feels like from the outside that there's been a lot of um, sort of internal 
uh, issues with this team and perhaps some frustration from the younger guys who believe that they uh, are not being uh, used as to the best of, of their ability and how they should be used. Um, Kyrie's a guy that needs a ball in his hands a lot. Uh, I, I just think that chemistry-wise, things have not been well, uh, going well there. And, you know, again, from the outside, they, they don't look like a team that enjoys their company. And, and I can tell you when you compare that to this box locker room, who uh, just really, I mean, they enjoy being around each other. They're happy together. They're playing together. They're playing for each other. They're playing unselfish. And they're doing all the things you need to do to set yourself up to win a title. It feels like Boston are just in, in the exact uh, opposite position. And that's why we're still, you know, we're at the end of March here and we're still wondering if they are going to figure it out. And I, I don't know at this point, so close to the playoffs, whether that's something they're going to be able to do. Yeah, and, you know, with the playoffs coming, the uh, MVP uh, leaderboard is starting to heat up, the two-person race with James Harden and Giannis. And, you know, it seems that a lot of the, the national people are starting to move towards uh, – Basically, have already given the award, uh, the award to Harden after a 60-point effort the other night. But where do you see the MVP race uh, playing out? Do you think the the writers go with Giannis? Um, you know, he's not James Harden in regards to, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't want to. You know, he's not James Harden. Harden's won the award before. He's putting up ridiculous offensive numbers. You know, 36 points per game. And Giannis playing probably the better all-around game. Uh, do you think the writers go with Giannis, giving it to him the first time? Or do you think they go with the, I guess, in, in their mind, to probably be the easy choice in James Harden? Yeah, I don't know at this point. I sort of thought all season that Giannis is probably going to be um, the one that got it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of factors for that. When you look at the numbers he's putting up, it's it's sort of historic stuff from from his point of view. The 27 points, uh, just under 13 rebounds now, six assists, a block, a steal, 64% true shooting percentage. Giannis, I mean, that, those numbers just haven't been put up before across the whole season. So, uh, and when you combine that with uh, obviously his defense and he's leading the, the the number one defense in the league, uh, I, I thought that. You know, Giannis all, all season was eventually going to win it. And also, we know with the MVP, sometimes it's narrative-based, and Milwaukee haven't been in this position for a long, long, long time. So it's a really great story, uh, you know, for Giannis to come where he's come from, to be here and, and be in the MVP, uh, you know, conversation. Uh, when and, and oftentimes with the MVP, the record plays such a big part of that. So the fact that the Bucks have the, the best record in the NBA should hold a lot of weight. But there has to be a point where you just cannot deny what Harden has been doing all season. And when you went back to sort of that stretch in January and February when he was uh, scoring 30 points every single night, my feeling was that he wasn't going to be able to uh, keep this up. And eventually he was just going to run out of gas because he was doing so much just to keep that Rockets team afloat. Now they've got some players back. And they're right in the like. I mean, they're right in in title contention again. Like they're they're uh, going to be clicking at the, the exact right time. Their record's looking pretty good now. So now all of a sudden, it becomes hard to deny Harden. He scores fifty points one night, sixty points uh, the next. So look, it's going to be a fun one tomorrow night when these two uh, square off against each other. I, I don't have a confident feeling either way now with the MVP. I think we're at that point where it, it, like either result would not surprise me. Uh, and either result, you could probably nod your head and say, well, that's fair enough. He, he probably did deserve it. I think both guys are deserving. Uh, I think if one or the other has a big night tomorrow night, potentially if Giannis has the, 
Yeah, really, really much behind the Bucks beat the Rockets again as they did in Houston, and maybe he gets uh, you know a bit of a push back uh, in his favour. So it's super time. Both guys really deserve it, uh, and it's it's been a fun race. Yeah, and obviously me being a, a Bucks homer, I would love the Giannis to win it. Um, I might be a little biased there, saying that I think he's a more deserving choice, but I don't think you'd also go wrong with Harden. I, I know Harden doesn't play the all-around game. The honest plays, I don't think Harden really knows what defense is sometimes, so, you know, and you watch him play. But I think either way, between these two, I can't wait for the game tomorrow night to see uh, these two go off against one another. And for Giannis, what, do you get kind of uh, any any uh, thoughts in uh, how uh, how he views this, if he, uh, uh, the MVP race? Do you, is it something that he's striving for, or something that he uh, is important to him, or is it just more about you know getting that one seed, going for the championship, trying to uh, get to what's likely going to be a series against Golden State? Well, uh, I think that I mean we we try to talk to Giannis a lot about the MVP, and he just shuts it down straight away. I mean, I asked him yesterday after the game, whether he, he you know, this game tomorrow night against Harden would carry any extra weight. And I said to him, you know what people are going to be talking about heading into this one? And he straight up just said, I don't care. He goes, I don't care about the MVP. I don't think about the MVP. It, it doesn't matter to me. He's a good sort of other people are going to talk about. I only care about winning. I only care about the number one seed. So he says all the right internally. He's always been a guy that said he wanted to win the MVP. So it would mean a lot to him. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I just don't think that it's, it's, he's not going to campaign for it publicly, put it that way. So, um, you know, from his point of view, uh, you know, I'm sure inside that it means a lot to him, but he's not as open about it as James Harden is, where Harden straight up says that he thinks he should be the MVP or he deserves it. You're not going to get that from Giannis. So uh, I, I think we would be silly to, to believe Giannis that he doesn't care at all. I believe he does care, but you're not going to hear him say that, that's for sure. Yeah, and final question before uh, we wrap up. Um, the polarizing figure right now, Chris Middleton. Um, he, I believe, can opt out, if I'm not mistaken, after this season. And if he does, you know, Bucks got a decision to make if they want to give him a max contract or let him go. Uh, what are your thoughts on Middleton? Because he is definitely probably the second-best player easily on this Milwaukee Bucks team. Um, he's stepped up pretty big when Giannis hasn't played, uh, when he's had to be the guy. Um, but he also goes through stretches where he's non-existent. He uh, is inconsistent shooting, and he, he struggles a little bit. So what are your thoughts on Middleton? You know, he's kind of polarizing right now with the, the Bucks fans. Does he deserve that max contract, or is it more or less that the Bucks don't really have a choice and they have to give it to him? Well, the Bucks don't have to give it to him. That's, that's the first thing. But the question is, if you're not going to uh, give Middleton that max contract, you don't. So the Bucks can pay Middleton up to $30 million. That's, they can do that. and that's Or whatever the max contract will be, they can do that. But if they don't pay Chris, it's not like they have $30 million free in the salary cap. Uh, they have Middleton's bird rights, which allows them to, to pay uh, over that figure. So the, the first thing to, to understand is that you're, not, you're probably not going to get a uh, well, not probably. I can almost guarantee you're not going to get a player on the level of Chris Middleton next year if you decide not to pay him. If that's the path they want to go down, down that's fine. But more than likely, your team's not going to be as good as it was uh, this year, next season. So that's the first thing to remember. Secondly, uh, Middleton has been extremely unselfish this year with his team in the fact that 
you see him at times when we've seen him in those two games where Giannis didn't play where he can take more responsibility on offense. He can handle the ball more. Uh, he's one of the best isolation scorers in the league. So he can do a lot more than what he has been doing. But when you say that he's been non-existent, and this is something that uh, I think, or I try to, to sort of explain when it comes to the Bucks. sometimes Eric Bledsoe will only have five shots because it might be Brook Lopez that's getting his or Milton will be getting his. Other nights it's Milton that doesn't shoot that much. And another time it might be Lopez. That's the way the Bucks offense is set up. They all talk about that, that it's it's all inclusive. Everyone is going to get their chance on any given night, and they are okay with taking the back seat. Now, you might say, well, Milton is is averaging 17 points, whatever, uh, uh, about 5-5, five and five, roughly. Um, that's not a max player. But the, the fact that Milton is probably going to get a max offer from some team is where the market value is at. That's what dictates whether Chris Milton is a max player. So the reason Eric Bledsoe signed the contract for $17 million I don't think his agent is letting him sign that deal if uh, he thinks he can get a max in the summer. That's just not, that's not good business. So the reason why Middleton is probably going to get a max is because other teams in the league are willing to pay him that. So the decision will be for the Bucks whether they, they want to go down that path and pay him. I think they should. When you look at the chemistry between Giannis and Chris, the fact they've been together for so long, the fact they want to play here and enjoy playing with each other, I think is as big as any, uh, particularly with Milwaukee. We've seen that, that hasn't always been the case. And even though you have Giannis, it's still a stigma with some players in the league that wouldn't come to Milwaukee. So uh, I just don't think you mess with that. I think that Chris, over uh, the course of his um, you know, six years here, has deserved that. I think his last contract has been a bargain. He's been one of the, the, the best uh, value contracts for the last two or three seasons. So I think he's earned a pay rise. I think he's harshly uh, judged by Buck fans. And I think he's going to get what he deserves. And, and if he wants to be in Milwaukee and they're willing to pay it, I think it's going to be a contract you're not going to regret. And I think that's the big thing. Yeah, and, you know, when I use the term non-existent, I just, that's not my personal opinion of it. So I don't, you know, I don't want you to think I'm being unfairly critical of him. But, you know, I follow Twitter during games and when it's, when he's struggling to connect on a shot, some, you know, early on or during the course of the game. And, you know, that's just what I've seen, like, throw around is, you know, he's not existing today or whatever. So not really my word. I like Chris Middleton and his relationship he has with Giannis. To me, I think it's very important because they got such good chemistry with one another. And like you said, I don't really want to mess around with that, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's a big thing. I mean, this group, as I sort of already pointed to earlier, the way that this group, uh, has gelled and come together and played for each other in a, in a season that could have been uh, difficult to do so when you think that, yeah, Milton is trying to earn a contract, Bledsoe is trying to earn a contract, Brogdon and Lopez is the same. Uh, it could have been easy for this not to work out the way it has and guys would not buy into playing this unselfish brand of basketball and they would try and uh, you know get their stats and, and earn as much money as they can. But that's, what, that's what's special about this group. They enjoy playing with each other. They're having a great time. And I, I think that counts for a lot when you're talking about a team that you want to contend this year, but moving forward as well, I, I don't know if you want to mess with the chemistry this, this team has because, uh, you know, at the moment, best record in the NBA with this group playing the way they are in a first season with a new coach, I, I think this is something that you really want to uh, hold on to for, um, you know, beyond this season. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I want to say thanks for uh, spending some time with me talking Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, you know, hopefully you uh, get to cover the Bucks deep into the summer as they're uh, going uh, for the NBA championship against likely Golden State. Uh, 
you want to let the pe- uh, listeners know uh, where they can find your work uh, for those that want to to follow you? Yeah, uh, you can you can uh, you can get me on Twitter. Uh, my ad is mkbucksaus, uh, so you can get me on there. I, I write for the Pick and Roll Australia and ESPN Australia, Herald Sun. Uh, wh- whoever will take my work basically is, is where I write. So, um, but I post all my stuff on Twitter. So if, if that's what you're into and you want to follow along, then that would be uh, that would be a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate it. And I, like I said, I enjoy following you. For, so anyone that is listening that doesn't follow you, I do strongly uh, recommend it. A lot of great content out there. Uh, so, uh, again, thanks for coming on. hope you have a great rest of your evening. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Yep, and that was uh, Kane Pittman, Australian NBA writer in Milwaukee. As he mentioned, it's at MKE Bucks AUS for following him on Twitter. And uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, they are – pushing hard for the uh, that number one seed throughout the playoffs, and it'd be fun to see what happens uh, moving forward. Eight games left, four games left. Uh, I guess, I'm sorry, the magic number is four to get that one seed, and I just want the the Bucks to stay healthy while they push for that number one seed. So with that said, I uh, do want to thank you all for listening uh, to the Evan Witt Show. Um, This show is brought to you by Coach Evan Fitness. If you are looking to lose weight and get healthy, then I'm here to help you. Uh, Email me, coachevan66 at gmail.com. Shoot me an email and uh, let me know uh, what you want to do, and I'll help you reach those goals. I've lost well over 100 pounds following Beachbody uh, uh, programs, Insanity P90X3, Transform 20, Body Beast, for those that want to lift weights. Segi put together a great program for those weightlifters out there. Um, I've done a few rounds of Body Beast, and I love it. And there's also Lift 4. You can incorporate weightlifting with HIIT-style workouts. So with that said, I hope you all have a great rest of your week, great rest of your day. And uh, if you enjoy what you're listening to, um, Encourage your friends and uh, to give me a listen uh, as well. With that said, uh, this is Evan Witt, and I will get back at you later.